Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. So I wanted to read this passage of scripture because it's Easter and it's resurrection. The scripture says this in Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Jesus had died. He was dead. And the women, they decided it was custom to go and anoint his body and to take spices just as we would take flowers to someone that had passed away. Scripture says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, angelic beings. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again to life. And then they remembered his words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, it was tragic and it was painful and it was terrific and it was so agonizing to the people that expected him to be the savior of the world, to be the Messiah that would come and set everything straight for the Romans. Take care of the Romans, take over the world, conquer. And they were hearing and dreaming about a Messiah that would come as a king with a sword, but it wasn't what they expected. And the title that I want to tell and talk to you about is that there is more, more than just the cross. There is more to the story than just the cross. If we were to stop just at the cross, it wouldn't make sense. In fact, we wouldn't be able to sing songs like we do and stand in victory and freedom. We wouldn't be able to understand that there is actually more to the story than what we expected. You know, I I have this interesting perspective as I have grown up in church. I was born and raised really in the church. And when I think about Jesus, I've realized really quickly that really there's a man named Billy Graham that I would say every household should know of. You heard of Billy Graham? And really for the last 50 years within the church on the west side of the world, we have been taught and expressed and understood, there's nothing wrong with this by the way, that the cross is the symbol of Jesus. And we'll wear Jesus on our neck, but we don't know how to wear him in our heart. There's times where Jesus is on a cross, and, and, and if, if I'm just be honest, it, it kind of bothers me sometimes. Now that I've, I've stepped into faith and I, and I live my life for Jesus every day, and I've experienced the more that he's called me to. Because you see, Jesus didn't come just to die on a cross. And what we've been taught so much in the Western world is that he died for your sins, and he died so that you would be saved from sin and saved from sin and saved from sin and it's like we get it he died for our sins and that's important and that's crucial and we must understand that but if we stop there we miss that the more that he has called us to he didn't just die on a cross to save you from your sins Jesus died on a cross to save you for your future as well and we stop at the cross And that's why I get so excited about Resurrection Sunday. That's why I get to stand and we get to stand and worship with excitement 
and, and veins popping out, and I just yell at the top of my lungs because I've lived this life so far with the hope of Jesus Christ that death no longer has its sting. And so the problem that we face, though, is that we like to, in the church, just tell everyone when we look at the cross, you're a bad person, you're a bad person, you're a bad person. And let's be honest, we're pretty bad. We're pretty messed up deep within. Our soul is pretty corroded. Our soul is pretty evil. All we have to do is look at the world. But when we stop just at the cross, we miss the beauty of why Jesus came. You see, in the Old Testament, something really interesting would happen. And if you know the story of Jesus or you know the story of God, God is a master storyteller. He has told one of the greatest stories to mankind. And in the Old Testament, what would happen is there would be an altar, and then there would be a sacrifice. And the reason that there would be a sacrifice of a lamb or of a goat or of an animal, the blood would shed, and what would happen was the fire would consume the animal. You see, before Jesus, the metaphor would drive us to see him was an altar, and the element was fire. That was before Jesus. The cross was where Jesus, we thought, was being consumed by death. That's what we thought. When I say me, I mean we as humanity. I say me, we as in the disciples. We as in the people that would have been there. We would have been so heartbroken and so captivated that Jesus died on the cross and death had conquered him. But we realized that Jesus was the fire that put death to death. So after Jesus, the metaphor changes in the scriptures. And it changed from an altar to a water grave which is a resurrection. And I find this interesting because from fire to water, what science will tell us is that without water, there is no life. But where there is water, there is life. So if we could find water in other planets, we'll know there's life there. And I love that Jesus in the story, because he's a master storyteller, he switches from fire to the element of water, and it's, it's, a, it's a death within water. It's a death that has to bring new life. And when I think of that, I think of my little baby, Lenya. And I'm sorry to bring this up on a Sunday morning, but I just want to share a story with you because it's so fun. You know, I was so blown away to know that we were, Kelly was pregnant and we were so excited. And we, I've wanted to start a family ever since I was like 20 years old. Kelly and I got married when we were 21. I was like, can we have a baby like soon? She's like, well, let's wait a little bit. And, you know, that's the thing about life. When you experience having a baby for the first time, or you experience something that is so beyond what feels like existence, we start actually living. And I have found that the common denominator to actually living is love. Love is what catapults us towards the future. Love is what will put us in war so that we can have a better future. Love is what will make us go to extreme measures. And you see that on the cross. You see Jesus doing something. Why would he have to die on a cross because he loves you. And it was extreme and it didn't make sense. But you see, I look at my daughter for the first time when she was born. But the story before that is, is quite interesting. You know how, you know, when your first mom or, you know, your, your mother or mother-in-law tell you, friends tell you, you know, watch for the, the water to break. The water's got to break. And that could be like a sign. And then you got to be, and I'll never forget, Kelly, I mean, the first baby takes a while, right, for, to come. And so we would walk around and all right, Kel, maybe we get the bouncer. Our sister-in-law said, well, I did the bouncer, and that kind of worked. And, and so we were walking. I'll never forget. It was like 4 in the morning. And Kelly's like, my water broke. 
And so I got up and we went to the hospital and we did our thing and, and you know, they put us in and it was amazing. And then the doctor said that the water didn't fully break. And so, I'm sorry to give the imagery, but the, the doctor broke the water. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I heard the water pop. And you know what's so interesting about the beauty of God? This is how good he works. This is the story of God, that he would use us in order to find true existence and life here on this earth. We would have to go through water. Water would have to break because water gives life. And so when Lenya was born, the only reason she could be born was through water. And so I look at Jesus, and I look at the grave, and I look at the tomb, and we see songs like this. And Kelly's so good with graphic design, I asked her to just put up that little tomb up there. Yeah, shout out to Kelly. <laughs> but the reason, the reason I wanted that, that tomb up there, I said, Kelly, because people need to know that it's empty. And you know the thing about crosses is that they're really cool. I have a, you know, a friend, Thomas, he just recently bought me a cross. I've been wanting a cross for a really long time. I want to wear a cross because I not only wear the cross on my neck, but it's in my heart. And so I want to wear it, and I love the cross, and it looks so cool. And, and that's what's interesting about crosses. It's like, aesthetically, the apparel is perfect. So we wear crosses all the time. Maybe you've been that person that's worn a cross at one point. But we don't wear, like, tombs on our neck, do we? <laughs> but yet that really is what we're missing at times because there's more to the story. If we just look at, to the cross and we just look at the cross, we will fixate our eyes off just knowing that I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. But if we don't realize that God came not just to save you from your sin, he came to save you for a better future, there is more. And that's why we get to celebrate. And that's why there's a water grave. And that's why we get to baptize people. And that's why symbolically we get to step into the new. Romans 6.4 says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And I'm not sure if, if you knew the t intention of God because we get it wrong a lot within the church world. And I, I want to publicly apologize for any person that would claim to know Jesus or wear a cross on their neck that didn't represent him well. Because we think the intention of Jesus is to show us how bad we are of a sinner. Though there's some truth to that, that's not the whole story. There's more. If we were just to walk around in condemnation and in brokenness and messed up, and we already know we're, we're, we're desolate and we're lonely and we're desperate, and then someone, that Christian, just comes along and says, oh, by the way, you're a sinner and you're really bad and you're horrible, and I, you know, I don't know if you have much hope for your life. But we miss the point of resurrection if all we focus on is just the cross and not an empty tomb. You see, the intention of God for you is very simple. It's that you may live a new life. That's the intention of God. That's why he came here on earth. That's why he came to set the past on fire for your life. This is why the focus is on an empty tomb. This is why the resurrection is so powerful. This is the life God wants for you. Romans 6, 5 through 7 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. But you see, here's the problem. We want the resurrection without the death. <laughs> We want the empty tomb and the glory, and we want to celebrate and sing songs, and it's amazing, but we're not willing to sacrifice anything. 
And Jesus, what he did is he took himself, billions of us, and he didn't have to do it over and over and over and over and over again like they did in the Old Testament. Could you imagine? Like seven billion plus of us, imagine Jesus having to die seven billion times. But he took one death for all, and he did it all for love. He did it because there is more. So if we've been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know, here it is, our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. And there's that word, ah, sin. For people that have grown up in the church and have found themselves falling away, it's because we have been so condemned and we haven't been reminded of the beauty and the wonder and the grace of God for a better future. So why would I want to sacrifice things if I don't know that there's a better future? And that's the problem with church and Christianity and faith at times is we paint the picture so wrong, not the way Jesus would have painted it for us. He wants more for your life. He wants you to live a new life, but you have to be willing to sacrifice something. You know, sin is a word we don't like and how we can quickly go to the cross and feel as if we are condemned to hell. And yet, to be honest, it's true. <laughs> We're pretty messed up, like I said. And when we could be fighting a battle, that here's the thing, sin is often fighting a battle, it's a habit. You know, cycles, like seasons. Sin can become a habit in our life and it's anything that would bring falsehood to the image of God. It's anything that actually would corrupt our lives. And the more that we do it, the more that we step into it, it becomes a habit. And we're really not original or we're not like creative with sin. It's usually kind of the same things, right? And sometimes it could become so small when we're a child and when we get older, it could eventually kill us. And so sin becomes a habit. And here's the thing. You might be going through something, working through a sin that might not even have been yours to begin with. It could have been your father's. And so it was placed on you. It could have been your grandfather. It was placed on you. And you might wonder why you struggle with alcoholism, but your father was an alcoholic, and your grandfather was an alcoholic, and your great-great-grandfather was an alcoholic. And so the issue of sin becomes a habit. And what happens is we're fighting something that isn't even ours to fight, but yet we have to fight for something better. And then I look to that empty tomb, and I remind myself that's why he died, so I could be set free for a better future. So I no longer have to live in my mess up, in my brokenness. I can be set free from that and walk in the newness of God. Romans 8 says this, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You know something interesting about the word life? We get it wrong sometimes here within our, our vocabulary. You know that there's synonyms, and if you were to look up the thesaurus of life, you wouldn't find it. But I have discovered that Jesus actually, God, is the actual meaning of life. So when you're looking for life, what you're actually looking for is God. And when you find God, you actually step into new life. So it's synonymous. 
And you might, not be, you might not know it, but all your life you've been searching and fighting and it's been difficult and you've been held back by your past and you're not sure how to find purpose in your future and you're looking for life, but really, truly, you're actually looking for God. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is oftentimes he will explode right into your path where you weren't even looking for Jesus, but yet he was looking for you. We say that saying here at Coin Church, you don't have to believe to belong, and we actually believe it. It's not just in word, it's actually in deed. That the more that you come into a space like this, we realize that the power of God, the movement of God, the life of God sets people free for the new because there's always more. You see, the death, all of death and darkness was placed on God, on Jesus on the cross. All of lust and greed was placed on him. All of pain and brokenness in one moment was placed upon Jesus on the cross. The weight of this world's sin was on him. Jesus carried that weight. And it did not have the power to hold him down. He conquered death. He fought death. He won death. Death no longer had its sting. So see, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, here it is, now dwells within you. And I don't know if we get that at times. It's like, how much power do we need? It is in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is within you. That same power, that strength, that amount of anointing, that strength that pushed Jesus to say, it's okay, the wrath can come on me, your sin can come on me, your brokenness can come on me, and it's not just for this moment, it's so that you can have a better future, and he was able to hold that down with the strength, and yet that strength is within you, lives in you. That's the new, that's the power, that's the beauty. And as we come to a close, I want to express something to you. Something that I think all of us at times and moments have gone through. They're coffins. They're tombs. And I find it so interesting that God in his majestic power, infinite power, all-knowing, all-truth, all-knowledge, would use a tomb that he would be placed in almost to say, I will always conquer tombs. I will always conquer coffins. I will always conquer the grave. And so on that third day, the angels came to the women, and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And what happens to us so many times in our own brokenness, in our own mess, is that we find ourselves putting ourselves in a coffin. And somehow we nail the coffin in, and we throw dirt on the coffin, and we begin to suffocate over our own breath, and we're looking and searching for life, and we're just ready. And and then we say, God, you did this to me. Everyone else did this to me. I had to put myself here in this coffin. I had to put myself in this grave, and I'm broken, and I'm desolate, and it's almost as if Jesus has to come again and say, why do you keep acting like you are dead? I raised you back to life. I came to give you life and life more abundantly, and that's the power of the cross, and that's the power of an empty tomb. This is not who you are. Why do you keep looking for the living among the dead? You see, we no longer have to fight and struggle because of the cross. We get to say, God, I'm putting my past behind me so that I can step into the future that you've called me to. And you know what's interesting? Those that have come to faith are still struggling with that. Where God wants new for you. 
God wants abundance for you. God wants journey and courage and bravery. God wants a dangerous, audacious life for you. God doesn't want you to just live in complacency. God doesn't want you to just live in brokenness. God does not want that for you. He wants a better future and a new you for you. And that has to be your decision. Just as Carolina said, God is a gentleman. I love that. It's so true. He would never force himself on you. He would never make you do anything that you don't want to do. It is your choice at the end of the day. You are given the choice to step into the new or to step back and say, that's not for me. But I want to encourage you that when you're looking for life and you're just existing and you're desperately fighting and you found yourself in a coffin, I want you to be reminded that Jesus didn't come just so that you could be placed into a coffin and that would be it. It came so that you would have life and life to the fullest. So we need to put death behind us once and for all. We no longer should look at the past and we should just step into the future.